As I asked people this last year, uh, how can I pray for you? I have added actually very few prayer requests to my prayer list because everyone's asking me for the same thing. Everyone's saying, oh, just pray for the country. That's what I hear over and over again. Just pray for the world. Just pray for the division. Polarization has taken firm root and it's the main thing worrying everybody. You know what polarization is, right? Where you move to opposite poles, like two magnets that can't come together. You know, there's some sort of disagreement. Everybody just becomes more extreme and more separated. That's what's on everyone's mind. So in 1982, they surveyed uh, people in America and said, do you think less of someone just because of their politics? And in 1982, 19% of Americans said, yes, I think less of people because they're a Democrat or because they're a Republican. Well, they redid that survey in 2017. And in 2017, 57% of Americans say, yes, I think less of someone just for that reason. And that was four years ago. Last year, someone approached me and asked if I would like to join an armed militia that was forming here in our county uh, because uh, the black people were going to come and burn us all out and take everything. Uh, That same week, ironically, my friend who teaches at an inner city school said that uh, all the black women in his building said that they were now carrying weapons on them 24-7 in case those whites should come to steal their children. Now, no black people invaded Lee Summit and burned anything down, and no one in here has any plans to go steal inner city children. How have we come to this place where we're like, I don't intend to harm everybody. I'm cool. I love everybody. But we're all sure that somebody else is coming for us, though. How did we get here? Last year, we watched cities burn on TV. We watched uh, mobs invade the Capitol building. This is not the peace of Christ that we're living in. And we need to ask the question, how long can we go on living like this? How long can we keep going this direction? What's going to happen at the end of this road? If you're thinking, well, my brother-in-law will finally admit that he's been wrong about everything and think the way I do. I don't think that's how that's going to go. I don't even know your brother-in-law. But I'm just guessing. And when we get there, What are we going to say? Oh, I don't know how we got here. I don't think we'll be able to say that. I think we know how we're getting there. I've been so grateful this last year thinking about things that happened in my childhood and my young adulthood, but I keep having this thought, will my grandkids get to have these kinds of experiences? What are we passing on to them? We've got to turn this the other way. We can't keep doing what we're doing. It's not working. This polarization is getting stronger. I want to say this morning that Jesus Christ has the power to give us the dignity that everyone is scrapping for. Jesus Christ has the power to bring us the unity that everyone is praying for. It can be done. So I brought a word from the Lord here in Ephesians chapter 4. I was wondering if we could do something a little old-fashioned today, if we could all stand for the reading of the word. And we're going to read it together. I think there's some power in these words passing through our lips this morning. And we're going to take our time. We'll go slow. It's just a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. 
Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Thank you. Thank you. You need to have a seat. For thousands of years, Jesus has done what no one before him could do and what no one after him has been able to do. Jesus, for thousands of years, has been uniting diverse people and giving them a single, united identity. No one before him had ever pulled that off and no one since him has been able to pull it off without him. The rich and the poor can both be Christian. It's happening right now in this room. People of different races and different nationalities and languages can come together and support one another and love one another as Christians. Just look within your own heart at the response you have when I mention Estela Huerta. For those of you who go to Lakeland regularly, you know that's a sister that we work with in Mexico. Look within your own heart at how you feel about Jack from China or Emil from Liberia. If one of them showed up this morning and said, well, I'm here for a week and a half, but I don't have any place to stay. We'd be trampled down with all of you coming forth saying, oh, let him stay at my house. Let him stay at my house. Jesus did that. Jesus drew that circle around us that we feel that way about folks who we don't know much more about than they love and serve Jesus like we do just on the other side of the world. He draws a circle of identity around us that's bigger than political party, bigger than nation, bigger than race, bigger than gender. Jesus did that. So much of this division is being driven day to day by online posts and our addiction to scrolling and reading them all. I'm not saying it causes it, but it drives it. It's like a constant log into a furnace every day to keep the fire burning, to remind us again, don't forget to be angry today. Don't forget to be angry today. Don't forget to be afraid today. It drives it day after day. But there's a way of Jesus that can be brought into the online world to pull those logs out, to bring the temperature down, Jesus gave us words for that, like Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. That's so important. Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And so we can teach the world We can teach ourselves that when you see someone posting something, it's offensive or it's just not accurate. It's just not true. While you are within your rights to shame them publicly for their ignorance and stupidity, we ask a second question. Is it the Christian thing to do? Why not contact them privately? And I don't mean a private message. I mean a phone call or You see them in the church lobby. Why not contact them privately and say, I'm not sure that was right. What you posted there. Or I'm not sure that was kind. When you have the ability 
to smack a fool publicly. And, th- and that's really what social media has given us, the ability to, to smack a fool publicly. But instead, you discuss it with them privately. You are showing them the mercy of Jesus. When you see a lot of people dogpiling someone because they express one of those points of view, and you want to jump on and you want to say, hey, they're not alone. Hey, I agree with them too. Like, love, I wish there were more hearts. You can do that. But we have to ask a second question. Is that the Christian thing to do? Remember what we're most worried about today. We're worried about polarization and where we're all heading and what kind of world are we making. Is it the Christian thing to do given what we're in right now? Proverbs 26, verse 20 says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. So why not contact that person that you're seeing getting dogpiled directly? Just say, hey, you're not alone. Just wanted you to know that. I'm not going to jump on there and like stuff. I don't want to get in some big immature Facebook fight and I don't do it that way and I don't think it's helping us but I want you to know you're, you're not the only one with those values. It'll mean a lot more even to them. When you have the ability to join a faction and fight and let's be honest make yourself look like or be known as a hero but you give that up in order to minister to someone who is hurting without getting credit for it, without being seen doing it. So that, because your agenda is that there will be peace, that there will be peace in the church, there will be peace in our nation, there will be peace in our world, that we can begin to walk back this trajectory that we're headed on. In that moment, you are respecting the reputation of Jesus more than you're respecting your own cultivating of your own reputation. And you're making a new community. What are we going to do about the truly dangerous? What are we going to do about the really radical? They're out there. The the white supremacists, the white nationalists, the Antifa, the anarchists, the the, uh, revolutionary communists. What about those folks? So the way of Jesus gives us a different way even of seeing those people. This is, this is where we get radical. In, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And this is our reminder that we actually come from a tradition, the Christian tradition, that actually has a great track record for changing the heart, changing the entire personality and thinking of murderers and extremists and warlords and hate mongers. Our most beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, was written by a slave ship captain who repented. So here's an interesting twist, an unexpected twist of our theology. Because we serve a God who is a righteous judge and says that he intends to use it, 
Because we serve a God who says, these folks who are dedicated to violence, dedicated to hate, dedicated to destruction, if they will not repent of that, they will be consigned to an eternity without me. That is, after all, what hell is, an eternity without God. Because we serve that kind of God, we can actually relax within ourselves. We don't have to look at these extremists and think, what if they win? They cannot win. In the historical future laid out by Christianity, they have already lost. They are doomed if they can't change. And so we can relax and actually then follow God's mission, which the only mission he gave to us was he said, now go to those folks and just with pure love, see if they can see the truth. And we don't have to wonder, is that aggressive enough? Am I complicit if I don't shout them down? God's already got that taken care of. It's page after page of scripture says that's gonna take place if they can't change. So we can go just with the love. That's our mission. That's the one thing he gave for us to do. So you can actually encounter an extremist and say, hey, I gotta know. What made you join the KKK? Uh, Why do you think violence and looting and destruction is the way? I gotta know. What wrong are you hoping to correct with that? Tell me. And I promise you they're gonna have a story. They're going to have a story of things that happened to them along the way, starting when they were six years old. And you're listening ear, and you're encouraging their reflection, and you're inviting the Spirit into the conversation. It's the only thing that can change someone's heart like that. And if their heart does change, and it happens all the time, just take one last day on the internet and look up, you know, ex-white supremacist, ex listen to their story. If their heart changes, that is a story that brings glory to Christ. A lot of our polarization right now is being caused by disinformation, isn't it? We have a swirl of false information circling the globe. Uh, Facebook said last year, they were beating back 30,000 fake accounts a day from foreign nations trying to infiltrate the social media platform in the United States to, to pretend to be us, to feed us stuff, to get us to fight each other. 30,000 a day. That's the, how many they stopped. They said, we can't tell you because we don't know how many we missed. What do we do about all this misinformation? Well, actually, there is biblical wisdom that I believe could end the epidemic of misinformation in two years. What would you give to end the epidemic of misinformation in about 24 months? So lean in, here it is. Deuteronomy 18. If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, You will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet is spoken without my authority and need not be feared. If someone gives you a prediction of what is to come and it does not happen, that did not come from the Lord and that prophet need not be feared. So it's 1999 and I'm watching a religious news program. I didn't watch a lot of religious news programs, but I watched this one in 99 because they 
what they said was horrifying. They said on New Year's Day, uh, all the computers in the world are going to shut down all at once. There will be no electricity. There will be no water. Uh, there will be no defense system. We will enter into World War III. So even though I was just a second or third year teacher, I took money I did not have. I bought barrels and filled them with water. And every time we went to the grocery store for three or four months, I bought a bunch of extra groceries. And so by December 31st, with money we didn't have, I had a whole extra year's worth of food. New Year's Day came and went. Nothing happened. Now, I know now there's people who say, oh, it's because we fixed it. We spent millions of dollars and millions of man hours and we we fixed it. That's not true. Because our personal computers didn't have a Y2K tech come out and do anything on them. My computer didn't shut down that morning. Did your computer shut down that morning? No. The developing nation in the third world didn't even have the resources to address any of it. And what few power and water systems they have are run by really old computers. And they didn't shut down either. And three industrialized nations looked at the problem and decided they weren't going to do anything. Russia did nothing. Italy did nothing. And South Korea did nothing. And they didn't have any more glitches than anybody else. Mostly kids with a criminal record turned 70 years old that morning. That was the major glitch that was cited in the United States. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I should have known better. A lot of people were taken in by that. But I'll say I've never watched that religious news program again. Because they said they had evidence. They said, mark my words. So I marked their words. And then it didn't happen. So that prophet need not be feared anymore. And then I got to watch his, for the next two decades, every five years, they had another end of the world. They did the blood moons a few years ago. And we're all still here after that. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying just... When someone tells you, mark my words, this is going to happen, do that. And then when it doesn't happen, mark them off the list. That's just a few less you have to watch, pay attention to. No media outlet could survive with a 40% drop in its viewership. And Christians are about 40% of the world. So if we just followed this biblical wisdom within a couple of years, we'd have it trapped down to the ones who tell the truth and know what they're talking about. The rest would either start doing their homework or go away. In 2008, 2012, I can take you to the spots in this room where folks told me that if Barack Obama was elected president, feds would kick down our doors and take all of our weapons. Private ownership of all businesses would end. And I was told right there by the middle door there that this church would be forced to close its doors forever. Well, he was elected twice and none of that happened. So I'm not saying should have known better because... Terrible things happen in the world. I'm saying whatever outlet told you that was part of the plan and that was going to happen, you can cross them off the list. Clueless. I was standing right here, right here in front of the stage in 2016 when someone told me that if Donald Trump was elected, gay and transgendered people would be rounded up, put into concentration camps, and forced through conversion therapy. And they said, mark my words, we'll be in World War III by the end of the year. Well, he was elected. He's come and gone. Some wild stuff happened, but nothing that wild. So wherever you read that, wherever you heard that, just quit watching that one. Move on to the next. You've gotten a lot of pandemic predictions. It was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. People were going to die. People weren't going to die. The vaccination was going to work, wasn't going to work, was going to kill people, isn't going to kill people. You'll know. You'll know by next year who knew what they were talking about. 
And who just wanted you to stay on there and see more ads for Prilosect and Nexium? <laughs> Ironically, it's the news that's giving you heartburn to sell you the heartburn meds. So you'll know, I'm just saying, use the Bible. When the prophet speaks, pay attention. If it doesn't come true, not a prophet. Pastor Dan did tell me in 1999 that Y2K would be be the biggest non-event of the century. So that's my prophet now. (laughs) So our verse this morning said, um, make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And one of the things that just not everybody knows, too many of us are getting our news from the internet now. And uh, there's a computer algorithm that runs the internet. You know, if I type in the word coronavirus or immigration, no computer in the world has enough processing power to really show me everything written on those topics. So it sorts. And it sorts based on things I've read and said that I liked before. Because it just can't show me everything. So it tends to show me things I've liked in the past and it tends to filter out things that have made me turn off my computer because I was ticked off in the past because the goal is to make sure I see that next Nexium ad. And so don't hate people because they haven't seen the same news you've seen. Their computer just isn't showing it to them. And it could be based on strange reasons why they haven't seen it. I got a, a poll once on my phone that said, who will you be voting for in the fall? Next question. Well, how do you feel about this uh, issue? Next question. Did you like the new Star Wars movie? But advertisers know there's all these things are correlated together. I may have just watched too many movies about how I did not like The Last Jedi to see what you saw about this other news story. That's weird. So just don't hate people for what they haven't seen. It's the pity of Jesus to forgive people for what they don't know. It's also the humility of Jesus to remember that the computer's sorting my news stories too. I'm trying to look at multiple sources, but it's still got to filter. Strongly consider supporting our local papers and our local channels. Even if you don't really like their point of view, at least what's printed is printed. They don't throw one paper on the neighbor's porch and a different paper on my porch. We can like and disagree and talk about at least the same thing. And they just live up the road. If one of them really gets out of line, you can just write them a letter, dear editor. We don't want to lose our local news people to these digital platforms forever. Then we'll be in a real mess. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Can these principles really save the world from polarization? I think they can. Especially if the Lord um, inspires this message all over the world. But honestly, what if it only changes Lakeland? What if it only changes us? 
Truth is, 90% of my life is lived here with you. When I talk about Star Wars, I'm talking about it with you. When my kids go to karate, they're going to karate with your kids. When my kids go off to college, they're going off to college with your kids. You know, we're sending Truman, both pastor's kids this year. (laughs) Burn that campus down. Uh, (laughs) I go to your weddings. I go to your parents and grandparents' funerals. It would actually be enough for me if it just changed us. I think God can do more than that, but it'd be enough. None of this stuff we disagree about matters more than Jesus and his kingdom. It all matters to one degree or another, but none of it matters more than Jesus and his kingdom. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. These could have been written yesterday. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach And be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. They will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And Paul knows because he used to be in the devil's trap. But a couple of people were gentle with him hung out with him, talked to him, invited him to church, stuck up for him at church, and he changed. And he changed the world. We're going to be for each other when the chips are really, really down. If my brain tumor comes back, I know that you guys will be for me, even if we've disagreed on every political issue for the last 10 years. It just won't matter in that moment. And you know that if something tragic happens in your family and you're in mourning, I will be there for you. Even if you walk out of here today and violate everything I just said, I'll I'll be there for you because we matter more than this. Jesus is who we really turn to for guidance and help and peace. And the rest of this, at the end of the day, does not matter as much as him. And it does not matter as much as us being brothers and sisters and family here in the church. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning for the world. We pray for our country. We pray for our church. Pray against the division of the enemy, Lord. Pray, Lord, you hide these words in our heart. These words uh, from your scriptures that were good, hide them in our heart so that we live them out. Lord, let them lead us back to peace. If anything was said in this message, Lord, that was not of you or was too far, I pray your spirit would strike it from all memories so that we can be purely focused on you, Lord, and the truth that you bring. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.